Welcome to Whispering Loudly, the award-winning workshop whisperer podcast as featured by Apple with Rachel Evans, the number one automotive business coach in the aftermarket. Thanks to platinum sponsor Podium and titanium sponsor Mechanic Desk. Whispering Loudly is the Workshop Whisperer podcast. Hello, I'm producer Mel and I'm with Rachel Evans today. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you putting us in your ears or your car every week or maybe several times a week. We'd love you to go to the Apple Podcasts app or wherever you listen and write a review for the show. It really helps us. Di Lamley has written awesome five stars. I'm a mechanic's wife and just came into the business in the past 18 months and we have been with Rachel and Dean just over 14 months. It's always a wealth of knowledge, so much information and ways to grow your mechanical workshop and make more profit with Profit First. Thank you so much for reviewing. Up next, we're going to talk to Greg Holmeson about recruiting from the Philippines. We'll demystify it and show you what it can do to help your business. Join our free Facebook group, Your Profitable Auto Repair Shop, and join in on the conversation with auto repair shop owners just like you globally. Greg Holmeson joins us now after being introduced to recruiting from the Philippines through some consultancy work he was doing and through the right connections. Greg Holmeson started the Philippines Recruitment Company back in 2012. He knew about the amazing talent in the Philippines and has now been part of bringing thousands of skilled workers in from the Philippines, from chefs to accountants, teachers and mechanics. We can't wait to hear what he's got to talk about with us today. Hello, Greg. Pleasure. Great to be here. So the reason that we obviously would love to talk to you today is because of the many mechanics that you you've brought into Australia because we find ourselves in a bit of a skills shortage in our aftermarket industry. Thanks so much for joining us today. Did you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself and the Philippines Recruitment Company? Yeah, so as we said, you know, over 10 years ago now I started the business and I was introduced to this amazing concept of bringing workers into the country that were not here. They had from different backgrounds and they offered something different to what we had here. And I sort of really understood the value of what it was that was happening to businesses when they were able to bring Filipinos in. But it was more about what the gap was in that process because it's not an easy process to get the skills right out of the Philippines and then bring them into the country. So I knew that if we could get that skills part of it right through the assessment and working out the best possible talent, we could have something that was a little bit different to what was being offered here. So we, we launched the business in the way we went and I think we've doubled the business every two years for the last 10, except there was a year last year. Yes. COVID that we didn't double the business. Let's talk about that because obviously with closed borders here in Australia, no one's allowed to, to come or go. So what has that meant for you? Are you still able to get technicians into the country? Yeah, so we we took the year and we said, look, we know there's still a skills shortage. Let's just, you know, regroup and work out how we can be bigger and better when we get through this thing. So we worked pretty hard for the last 12 months, even though it was really difficult not understanding where this is going, but we knew the skills shortage were there. And I'm sure that everyone listening here today, you know, there was six or eight weeks of you know, what's going on. And the rest of it has been, well, there's been a skill shortage. So we knew it was on. So we did some work in the background to improve our process. 
But to answer your question, yes, we have been able to get people in. Now, there is a travel ban exemption that you can get as long as the candidates are coming in where there is a critical skills shortage for mm -hmm. essential services. Now, that isn't a, we can't just get everyone in. It's still assessed by someone in immigration and some get through and some don't. Mm. But we believe that that's all starting to free up now because of the you know enormous amount of publicity that the skills shortage is now getting. Well, that sounds promising because as you and I both know, you've come along to speak to our engine room clients and there is a real struggle on for finding not just technicians that have the piece of paper that says that they're trade qualified. There's a lot of them. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about skilled qualified workers who are loyal and do a great job and want to be part of your business family. So they're the ones that are in hard supply. <laughs> Take a smoke out and review us on your Apple podcast app or wherever you listen. What is it that makes TPRC different to other recruitment companies? Like I said right in the beginning, we knew there was a gap in how that skills assessment was being done. But the last 18 months, you know, everyone sort of said things like, you know, you know, I thought I knew everything and then something else happens and you've learnt more in the last 18 months than you've learnt in the previous 10 years. And, and that's happened again. So when COVID hit, we knew that there were going to be some changes regardless of borders opening. And the biggest one now will be around the trade skills assessment or the cert three that every candidate needs for a uh, valid application for Australia. So what that's meant is that instead of the candidates doing a, a practical assessment with an assessor that flies to the Philippines and does the assessment, instead of that happening, it's now online. So the assessment is now done online with an assessor in Australia. Now, that's changed the game as far as the candidates not just being able to show and tell and talk about what they're doing in a workshop environment. They now have to just sit there and explain that in their second language. So mm. that's what's made things really, really difficult. And I spoke to one of the assessors a few weeks back or six weeks back now, and they were saying that 50% of the candidates are now failing that. So this is something that we did anticipate, we knew it, and so we had already put things in play prior to this. So we now demand that everyone sits an English test before, you know, so we, we see this, their CVs, we see that they've got the skills without double-checking, and then we ask everyone to sit an English test. Now, we pay for that because there is absolutely no point getting the best technician if he can't pass the cert free. Even if he has the knowledge, he has to be able to explain that mm. to someone sitting in Australia. Yes. So that's something that we work pretty hard on, and, and so we now have trade skills assessors and trainers in the Philippines that help the guys get through the Cert 3. And so our results are that we're still getting 80% of our people through the trade skills assessment. And, you know, I know that, that there's sort of a half a failing. So if you take our 80%, I, I would guess that there's only that 40% getting through. So this is something to do with our English testing and our trade skills assessor and trainer. You know, that's really put us in a different, I guess, frame to what most others would do. So if someone fails the Cert 3, that just means it delays. It's another $1,000 to reset and it would be another two-month delay. What's the cost of that, you know, someone being delayed by another two months? We know that recruiting talent in from overseas has 
traditionally been something more that the dealerships are inclined to do because they have that you know extra level of financial backing behind them and you know often they'll not just bring in one they'll bring in you know half a dozen or or more and for your average auto repair shop owner they don't have the same financial backing but i know that you've had great success doing this for independence can you tell us about some of those successes yeah so look it's it's really interesting when we first start the conversation it takes six months. So someone's got to have that position available. And that's what's been really challenging for some of the, the smaller operators because there's a position there they need it filled. But the conversation that we're having more and more now is that we're never going to fill it. So we're just making ends meet until we can actually find a permanent solution. So that's really what's changing. People are saying, right, let's get the process going now because we know we're not going to fill that anyway. But what is it that you get, I think, is the most important thing. And so... What, what we're finding is that the, 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 the candidates are offering something very, very different to what, you know, they would otherwise be getting. And, and you know, these guys are turning up, you know, they're, they're working hard, you know, they want to do overtime. And, you know, we've got all sorts of stories where, you know, one of the major players said, well, look, you know, we've now got half a dozen guys in. We've been trying to get a Saturday shift going. We were never able to get the Aussies to volunteer to come in and do the extra shift. These guys are now providing that for us. Mm. Um, you know, and then there's another one where it was a smaller independent um, who, I mean, they were, you know, reasonable size. But you know, when I spoke to them about this particular incident, they'd had about four or five guys in over a two or three year period. And I caught up with them and I had a bit of a chat. And then as I was leaving, I said to their HR manager, do you mind telling me how many of these guys have ever had a sick day? And she just looked straight back at me. She knew straight away and she just said, look, none of them have ever had to sit back. Three or four years in and they had sort of, you know, four or five guys and they were getting more on the way. And I said, you know what that's worth to you? And she said, yeah, it's worth $4,000 a year. You know, she, they'd done all the numbers and that's why they were really backing in and, and you know, running the program through. So just on the sick days that they didn't take, they calculated that that was worth $4,000 a year. Join our free Facebook group, Your Profitable Auto Repair Shop, and join in on the conversation with auto repair shop owners just like you globally. I was chatting with some clients from our engine room yesterday, a team of 50 they have down in South Australia, and they live in a very regional area, and they said that they had just started the process with you of looking to bring in a, a couple of technicians from overseas. And for them... A business of that size in an area where they traditionally can't draw talent to them because they're not near a capital city, it can really be a game-changing thing for them in terms of getting their productivity where it needs to be in order to generate the turnover that they need. It can change people's business. It's not just we're now filling a gap. It can change the culture of the business. And, you know, once you get, you know, one or two people that work like that, it changes what other people are looking at inside the workplace we are all chameleons you know we go out there and we become part of the environment that we're in and mm-hmm. if you've got some people that are being more productive adding more value not saying no to anything and just doing more it changes what people do around you and you know i know that my behavior changes when i'm in the most different group you know and mm-hmm. that's what actually can go on so it can change the culture and the productivity of a business just because you've got a couple of people that just turn up every day, they're the first to be there, the last to leave, they want to do more work, 
and they just grind away and just, you know, they just never give up. Now, for our uh, auto repair shop owner listeners out there, what's your advice when it comes to choosing the best candidate for the job? Because this is something that our listeners get wrong often and we end up with the wrong person on the workshop floor. So what is it that we should be looking for? It's a really interesting question because... You know, when we talk about the, the Filipinos and the culture and the work ethic, but that's actually a big part of what people, with great respect to everyone else out there that's working in the, inside mm. the industry, that's part of something. There's no question about that. You know, and that's a big part of what's missing. So that's almost cultural. You know, and I believe that this comes from the fact that they just have had to work hard all their lives to survive. Mm. You know, no handouts. You know, if you want your kids to, to, to go to college or go to school even, to get educated, to have any opportunity, you need to work as hard as you possibly can. And I think that, that just changes your, you know, I, I say DNA, but it can't do. But, you know, although the biology of belief might, might say it does. So it does change who they have now. So when you say select the right person, I say start with the right DNA. Yeah. You know, and, and it's very, so then you say, okay, let's now look at the, the skills. And look, a lot of the guys that we bring out, they've come from the Middle East, so they've come from, you know, high quality workshops, mostly branded. You know, there are sort of fewer generalists, but people say, look, just get me a, a great Toyota guy that's, mm. that's, you know, had seven or eight years of experience and, you know, we will upskill in other areas. But, you know, we still do find generalists and they may have, gone from one brand to another, but mostly they are branded. It's like, you know, this is not a we're finding someone to fill a physician. We're finding someone to become part of the fabric of the business. Mm. You know, that's what we're doing here. So, you know, we're not four years. We're, we're sort of six, seven, eight years, ten years. That's what it is. So get me the right attitude and we've, we're going to make this the right person. It's great advice. Greg, how can our listeners get in touch with you if they'd like to start venturing down this path of uh, offshore recruitment? Greg at tprc.com.au. Lovely. My phone number. Happy to share my phone number. Absolutely. 0407-743-276. Greg, thanks so much for coming on Whispering Loudly today. Such a hot topic, recruitment always. You provide a, an amazing service that I think perhaps some of our shop owners have just been too fearful to even look at because there's a lack of understanding around the process. So thanks for coming on and telling us a little bit about your process and, and what makes it different and what we could expect, you know, if we did venture down the path and hire somebody from the Philippines. So thank you. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. And if you aren't yet in our free Facebook group, Your Profitable Auto Repair Shop, make sure you jump onto Facebook as soon as this podcast episode finishes and join our group in there every day. We are providing you with tips and strategies on your team, on finance, on sales, on marketing, you name it. There are thousands of workshop owners in there just like you looking to grow a better business. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Whispering Loudly, the award-winning workshop Workshop Whisperer podcast, as featured by Apple with Rachel Evans, the number one automotive business coach in the aftermarket. Thanks to Platinum sponsor Podium and Titanium sponsor Mechanic Desk. 